Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. You know, our theme for this year is complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. And uh, we find in Matthew 5, um, what I call his teachings. His teachings. His direction for his followers and how we should live. And this morning, we're going to have an introduction uh, to this series. This will be an introduction. And as we begin the series, I have a question I want to start with that I'd like to ask you. And I'm not looking for you to raise your hand or even to answer out loud. Um, but you'll have an answer. Okay, you'll have an answer. And that's what I want to encourage you to think on. And the question is, uh, are you happy? Are you happy? Uh, are you happy with your life? Are you happy where you are? Um, are you happy? You know, that's a good question. Uh, because happiness can be elusive. Happiness can be elusive. Uh, I do believe there are a lot of people that are unhappy in our world today. A lot of people unhappy. And I think there are a lot of Christians that might be unhappy this morning. Maybe there's someone here uh, that you're just not happy. You don't have a joy in your heart. You're not happy this morning. Well, today I hope to show you that a Christian can and should be happy. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. That a Christian should be happy. And let's look at this. And at the end, I hope that you'll not only know how to be happy but that you'll be happy in your heart this morning as you go forward in life. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, we'll look at the verse, first verse again here as we begin this series here this morning. It says, And seeing the multitudes, uh, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying. You know, I have three thoughts I want to share with you in this introduction today on being happy. And the first one is, uh, I want you to notice that there was some new instruction that Christ gave. Some new instruction. And what I mean by new instruction, uh, I'm not talking about uh, something new added as far as the law or the teachings of the law. We, we find some new instruction from Christ concerning our life. Now the book of Matthew, he presented Jesus Christ as uh, the king. The king of kings, the king to the Jewish people. That was his whole purpose, and what we call his whole goal was to present Jesus as king. And John the Baptist preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. That's, that was his message. He went out preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You'll find that in Matthew. You'll find it in other Gospels as well. And why did he preach this? Obviously, God directed him. But the preaching of the king being at hand, or the kingdom being at hand, was because the king was present. That's why he was preaching the kingdom is at hand. You see, Christ was there. The king was present. And he wanted the people to understand that, to understand that their Messiah was there. Their king was present in the land and was present amongst them. Well, here we have, Matthew chapter 5 is the first what we call recorded message of Christ concerning his kingdom. Now, you'll find what we call the Beatitudes. That's kind of the, the label that people have given to this passage, the Beatitudes. You'll find these teachings spread throughout the other Gospels. But it's Matthew here who, who consolidated it and put it into one message, we find. And what we find as far as this first recorded message of Christ, you'll notice it concerned His kingdom, is what it concerned. 
Have you ever thought about a kingdom? If you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have citizens, right? You have to have people. And that's what we find in this passage. He's talking to his people. Someone put it this way once, that the Beatitudes are Christ talking to his people and allowing the world to listen in. He's given direction to his people right here, teaching them how they should live and, and the expect, expectations that are set before them. And so what we find here is we find what I would call new instruction. Now, let me clarify this, all right, new instruction, because I don't want you to leave here this morning saying, Pastor told us there's some new teachings in the Bible. Uh, you know, no. Here's what we find. Christ took the law that had already been given, and basically he elevated it, is what he did here. He made it personal. He made it real. He made it where we could really understand it and we could apply it, is what he did. Notice in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go down a few verses. Matthew chapter 5. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I am come. He says, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. To fulfill. So he didn't come to pluck up the law, he didn't come to pull it down. He didn't come to change it. He came to fulfill it. Not only with his life, but also his teachings. He came to fulfill the law. And in his teachings, he elevated the law by making it understandable. And we'll see that over the next several weeks as we go through this series. That he elevated it and he challenged his followers to apply it in their daily life and their living. Now let me give you an illustration here, I think, of how we can understand this best. Uh, you know, uh, how many of you like games, board games, card games? I, I play board games. Sometimes I get roped into playing a board game. I, I'll give you an example. I got talked into playing a board game once, and the entire time I played it, I didn't like it. I thought, this game is just terrible. I mean, I didn't say it, of course, you know. Maybe because I didn't win. That's, that's part of the reason. But, but uh, I played it with my family. They really seemed to enjoy it. I thought, uh, I'll play it this once, never play it again. And, and so that's what happened. I think it was several months later, they, they wanted to play it again, talk me into it, and I said, okay. I enjoyed it the second time. I thought, okay, now I understand it. You see, that was the key. The game hadn't changed. The rules were still the same. The game was still the same. It was my understanding that changed. I had an understanding of the game. I understand the rules. And all of a sudden, the game was enjoyable. Well, you know, that's how the law is. You see, God had given the law. Clear as day. It's, it's there. You find it in the Old Testament. What Christ did is he taught it in a way that it could be understood, that it could be challenged, that we could say, okay, this makes sense. This is how I should live. Also, he made it personal. He took it from outside to within. And that's what we'll talk about a little bit this morning and also over the next few weeks. He brought it inside. So the law, as far as Christ, became relatable. And as far as the law, I think it's safe to say for a Christian, the law is no longer a burden. It's no longer a burden there. Once you're saved, you belong to Christ. It's no longer a burden, but a blessing. Now, before we move on to our second point, let me give you a thought here. This is teachings to what we call those that are in the kingdom. Okay, those that are saved. Are you saved here this morning? That, that's the question I ask you. Because to really get the full understanding of these and, and be able to apply them, you have to know Christ. You see, He's given these teachings to His people. Now, I hope everyone here is saved. That's between you and God. Even the person next to you doesn't necessarily know. You can have a testimony and share things, but when it comes down to it, salvation is a personal matter between you and the Lord. 
You know, the Bible talks about salvation and the need to be saved. And let me give you a few thoughts real quick before we move on, because I think it's important to understand how to be saved and to know that you're saved. You know, the Bible tells us in John 3.16. Well, let's just go over there, John 3.16, so we can see it. Not just verse 16, but the the verses around it, so we get a good understanding uh, of the teaching here. John chapter 3, he says here in verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that, that's pretty clear, right? And that's there. That, that, that teaching is, it's a true teaching, it's a clear teaching. But notice what he says here, verse 18, or verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. That, that's the key there, okay? We're all condemned already. And you say, Pastor, why am I condemned? Because we're sinners. It goes over the book of Romans. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 3, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. You go to Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. So we're condemned because of our sin. We've sinned. And that's what condemns us. So Christ didn't come in the world to condemn people. We've already done that ourselves. He came in the world to save people. And this morning, as far as salvation, it's the understanding you're a sinner, that you've sinned against God. And when you understand you've sinned against God, then comes the understanding that you need to be saved. And that a Savior's been sent, and that's Jesus Christ. Then that turns into what we call, you know, Christ taught repentance. Repent and believe. That's what John the Baptist taught. We find it throughout the Scriptures. Uh, repentance is a change of mind. It's just turning from one direction to another. Turning from what you're trusting in to God through Christ. That's what repentance is. And then you believe on Christ. And that's what salvation is. It's not works. Lest any man should boast, it's a work of grace. You just believe on the work that's already done and that's already finished. And that's what salvation is. You know, this morning, I hope everyone here is saved, that you believed on Christ as your Savior. You received Him into your heart and that you're saved. And if you've done that, the Bible teaches you're saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, You're not saved based upon your abilities or doing something or something you've done in the past, but because of the work of Christ. So I hope you're saved here this morning. Now let's continue on. See, if you you got to get that settled. If that's not settled, that can be settled today. Once that's settled, then the, the Beatitudes are for believers. For Christians, we find here that the rest here falls into line of God expecting His believers to act a certain way or His people to act a certain way. And that leads me to my second thought here, and that's the new ideal. The new ideal. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, you have a law. Uh, and with the law, you have a lot of, uh, you know, curses that come with the law. That's just what you find all the way throughout there. But what we find Christ teaching here is a little bit different. And I want you to notice something. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And notice what he begins to say in verse 3. Blessed, he says, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 4, blessed. Verse 5, blessed. Verse 6, blessed. I think you get the point. You know, that word blessed or blessed, the word means to be happy. That's what it means. It means to be happy or to be blissful. You know, you could take the word happy and you could put it right there. And think of the, the teaching here now. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are they that mourn. Happy are the meek. So you take that word and it's happy is what it means. It, it means to be happy. It means to have bliss in your heart. It's found here in this passage all the way throughout the Beatitudes. Now, this word is an interesting word. Let me explain to you. It's an interesting word in the Greek. It's not a word that refers to happiness, how we often think of happiness in our world today. And let me explain this. It does not refer to happiness 
due to positive circumstances. That's, that's not the happiness we're talking about here. Um, that's when you're happy because of what's going on around you. Maybe things are going well, and everything's going well, you're happy. Well, when things change, then you can be unhappy. That, that's the happiness that you find in the world. That's not the happiness that this word is talking about. This word is talking about a happiness that's within. Not a happiness that comes from without. And it's a happiness that no matter what the circumstances surrounding you, you still have this in your heart. You're happy. It's a happiness that's unaffected by trials, troubles, or tests of any kind. It's a happiness that's not dependent upon positive circumstances. It's a happiness you can have right now, no matter what's going on in your life. It's a happiness that God wants you to have. That's the happiness we find here. Now, how can this be? That's a good question, is it not? How can, how can someone be happy like this? How, how can this new ideal take place? Well, I'm going to hope to answer that here real quick. Let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let me show you an interesting passage here. And I had read this verse for years, and I, I knew it, read it. But it never sunk until one day I read it and it just clicked. Have you ever had those, I call them light bulb moments, where you read something and all of a sudden you're like, wow, why didn't I see that before? Uh, and it's right here. It's not a new teaching. For me, it was new one day. Maybe someone's already seen it. I'm just behind the times. I don't know. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 11 here. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And this is the beginning of his letter. And he talks about here at the beginning... The importance of having what we call good or sound doctrine, no other doctrine, no other teachings, but the teachings of Christ. Well, he wraps it up, this passage or this section in verse 11, where he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God or blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That's the same exact word you'll find in Matthew chapter 5. According to the gospel of the happy God. The happy God. Now let that sink in for a moment. I've heard a lot of people say all sorts of things about God. Some have said correctly that He's righteous, that He's holy, that He's pure. I would agree 100% with that. I've even heard some say negative things about God that I would disagree with. But this morning, I want to point out to you one thing. God is happy. Now think about that. God is happy this morning. God is blissful. God is joyful. That's who God is. He's happy. And God wants His people to be happy. God doesn't want His people to live unhappy lives. He wants you to be happy. Because He's a God who is happy. He's a God who has bliss. Because that's who He is. And so, this morning, we know God's gracious and merciful. Let's continue reading here. First Timothy chapter 1. I'll read down a little bit further so we can see what Paul, how, as Paul develops this. In verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant, which faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So he continues on where he talks about God being happy. He carries right into his own testimony of salvation. He says, I thank God that God has saved me, has changed my life, has put me into the ministry. And then he, he thinks back to his former past. You know, I think everyone who's saved 
probably looks back and says, I'm grateful I'm saved because of before I was saved, I was miserable. Before I was saved, I was this. And that's what Paul's doing. He said, God saved me from this. And he's given me a new life. And so what we find in this passage here is not only is God happy, but God saves sinners. And once you're saved, obviously he changes your heart, gives you a new life. And with that new life comes new direction and new hope and new power with Christ. And so what we find is the happiness that God has is the same happiness you can have once you're saved. Now, if you go back to Matthew 5, these statements, verses 3 on down to verse what we find here in verse 12, they are statements of what we call possession. Blessed, he says here, are the poor. Blessed are they that mourn. In other words, this happiness can be possessed. Blessed are the poor. Happy are the poor. It's theirs. They have happiness. They have some joy. They have some bliss. You see, happiness belongs to them. It's in their hearts. It's inward. It's abiding. It's there. And it's theirs. Now, when you have this happiness, let me give you two thoughts. There's two sides to a coin. I'll give you both sides. When you have this happiness, you realize prosperity Prosperity can't give it. Nothing you can do in the world can give you this happiness. This is happiness from God because it's a happiness within. Because God is happy. He's the one who imparts this on His people. So prosperity cannot gain this happiness. But let me give you the other side. Adversity cannot take it away. Isn't that wonderful? When you have the happiness of God in your heart, no trials or troubles can rob you from that. They can't take it away from you. It's yours. God's given it to you. You see, it's not something you can work up. That's the problem in our world today. People are trying to work up happiness. They're trying to be happy. They're trying to work it up. Thinking if they do a certain amount of things, or if they do certain things, that it'll produce a happiness in the heart. Now, there's going to be moments of happiness, but they're not going to have what we call this happiness that God imparts. This joy that is not based upon circumstances, but it's inward, within. You see, that's a gift from God. That's a gift from God that God gives unto His people. And it's a gift that every single Christian can have. And every one of you can have this this morning. You can be happy in your heart. Now, I don't need to go around the auditorium and ask you about your circumstances. I don't need to do that to make this statement. I can make this no matter what's going on in your life. I can say you can be happy. Whether everything is well this morning, everything is uh, kind of, or everything is just, you've got all sorts of trials and troubles. You can still have happiness in your heart because it's an inward happiness. It's an inward, what we call bliss, that God gives to his believers. Now let's move on here to our final thought here. And that is, this happiness comes because someone is what we call a new individual. They're saved. They've, they've been changed. And they have what we call a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now we go back to Matthew 5. This is just an introduction. We'll cover these beginning next week, verse 1. We'll really hit each one of these in detail. But notice here, as far as the beginning, he talks here, verse 3, Blessed are the poor, blessed are they that mourn. I want to just hit highlights of these. Blessed are the meek, blessed are which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. He covers some of these. And there have been people who have looked upon these and said, you know, it doesn't make no sense. This passage really makes no sense. It's impractical to think this. It's impractical to think that those that mourn should be happy. That the meek should be filled with bliss. 
that the poor should be happy in their heart because of their circumstances. And so people have looked upon this and have thought, you know, it's impractical. I think some have even looked upon it and said, you know, it's impossible. When you read this, it's impossible for this to be true, for this to really take place in a heart. Now, I guess I would say this. I would tend to agree with them to an extent. All right, I would agree with you to an extent if someone believes that. Uh, because from a worldly perspective, that's true. I think from a worldly perspective, uh, it's impossible for, for someone to really understand these, or it's impractical to think this, these, what we call paradoxes here, are reality, that someone could mourn and still be happy, or someone could be poor and be happy. And that's because I think uh, as far as the world, happiness is something that we look, when I say we the world, on outward circumstances. We struggle to live by faith, right? It's by sight is what we do. It's based upon what we see, what's in the moment, what's happening around us. And if we, even as Christians, we live like that, then this is going to be difficult for us to have this happiness because we're allowing the circumstances to determine the joy in our heart instead of God to determine the joy in our heart. So some may say, well, where's happiness to be found in this? Or where's happiness to, to be found? You know, I guess the, the, the main point here is to remember that the world's happiness is based upon everything that's around them, outward. Happiness in the world is doing what you want, grabbing as much as you possibly can. Having the world's treasures. Enjoying all the pleasures of the world. See, that, that's the thought of happiness in the world. And that's based upon outward circumstances. And they believe, you know, when you are pleased, well, you're happy. Or when all is well, you're happy. For example, you got a job. Everything's going well. Well, what if you lose the job? And you can't find another one. Well, then the happiness is gone. It turns into discouragement or sadness, everything else. And so from the world's perspective, I would tend to agree that if that's the only perspective you had or if that's the way you're looking upon it, then yeah, it is impractical and impossible. But I want to remind you what this word means again. It's happiness that's within, no matter the circumstances. It's a different happiness altogether, and it's due to a relationship with God. Let's go over to a few verses here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'll look at verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says here in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. What we find in this passage here is that a person who is saved is a new creature. That word actually means creation. It's a new creation in Christ, a new creature. In other words, God gives you a new life. He gives you a new heart and a new life. And with that new life comes, obviously, God. The Holy Spirit is sent to dwell with you and to guide you and direct you. And you have a new relationship with God. And with God, Philippians 4.13, what did Paul say? I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, with God, you can do all things. Jesus himself said, with God, all things are possible. And so what we find is, when you have God in your 
heart and your life once you're saved, then you can go back to these teachings and say, okay, it is possible. They are practical. They are for today. They are for me. And I can learn from these and I can live by these. You know, as we go back and as we get ready to wrap it up this morning, I want you to notice one thing in, in, as we get ready to conclude. Christ focused on the life within, not on the outward circumstances. That's what he did. And that's what he did with the law here. He brought it here, not just in the Beatitudes, but the rest of this chapter, you find him focusing on the heart and what's taking place on the inside. You know, this morning, when it comes to these, you know, here's what it amounts to. And, and this is sometimes tough to get our mind around, but here's what it is. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. All right? It's not about what you do. Sometimes we can get in that mentality of, you know, it's what I do. i got to do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, yeah, we got to serve God, and there's things we got to be faithful to. But it's not a service to God of us working this up, doing it. It's because of the change that's already taken place, and God working in our heart. And then it becomes what we'd call the work of our heart being seen. God working in us, and, and that change that takes place. And so God is concerned about what's taking place inside not on the outside. And it's not all about circumstances. It's not about what's happening outside around you. It's about what's already happened inside your heart. The change that's taken place. You see, this morning, I I think it's safe to say that God understands your needs. God is your creator. Each one of us. God has made us. I believe God knows you better than you know yourself. He does. He's made you. He's created you. He knows what discourages you. He knows what encourages you. He knows all your fears. He knows all your trials, your troubles. He's God. He knows you inside and out. We also knows what makes you happy. He also knows your needs. And he understands, I believe, that we need to be happy. And people say, well, Pastor, you really believe that? Well, God has made us this way. God doesn't... Want us to go around discouraged. You know, it's interesting. Discouragement, depression, not only does it affect what we'd call your everyday activity, but it affects your life physically too. There's been studies showing that. That people that are discouraged and despondent all the time begin to have physical ailments because of that. There's studies showing that. So God doesn't want us to be discouraged and live in depression. God wants us to be happy. Not the world's happiness, but His happiness that He gives. And so God wants you to be happy here this morning. And God says if you want to be happy, then you've got to seek after Him. That's, that's the key there. Seeking His ways and seek after Him. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.31, uh, I've been asked before, you know, is there a verse that, that you could say that would be what we'd call a verse that a Christian should live by? I believe the closest would be 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the direction we have as Christians, to do all to the glory of God. Now, you could take that verse and apply it to your whole life. You can use it tomorrow. You have a decision to make. You could take that verse. Will it glorify God? Now, if it doesn't glorify God, then, hey, I better go a different direction or do something else. But if you can glorify God, then, hey, that's okay. Glorify God. Everything you do, you should glorify God. You see, that's honoring God is what that's doing. And when you glorify God, that means you are living, obviously, with Him, obeying Him, walking with Him. You're seeking Him instead of seeking yourself. You're seeking His will instead of your will. You're seeking after holiness uh, and trying to walk with God and live unto Him. You know, uh, somewhere along the lines, I don't know where, 
I, I don't know. I guess I could do a study on it. Maybe someone already has. But you know, our modern Christianity, I call it modern. I, I say in the past, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Somewhere along the line, you know what's happened with modern Christianity? We're seeking to be happy instead of holy. That's, that's the problem. We're, we're seeking after happiness. And it's made its way into the, a lot of churches, a lot of circles. And the goal is to be happy. Right? I mean, when I mean the goal, I mean the chief aim. Uh, the, the final goal is to be happy. Well, you know, this morning, that's not the goal for a Christian. You see, if you make happiness your goal, if you make happiness your goal, if you say, you know, I'm just going to seek to be happy, then chances are you're going to fall into one of the world's traps eventually. You're going to chase something that you shouldn't be going after, that you think is going to bring you happiness, that you think is going to bring you some peace, that you think is going to bring you some joy. You know, people do it all the time. For example, you know, people don't seek happiness to become rich. Right? This is the other way around. They seek riches believing they're going to be happy. That's why they seek the riches. And you can probably apply that to all sorts of things in the world. That people seek these things think it's going to bring them happiness. Well, what we find in the Scriptures is God saying, no, it's the other way around. Seek holiness. Seek me and you'll find the happiness that comes with it. And that brings us back to the Beatitudes. The reason why they're blessed, all these examples that we'll look at over the next few weeks, is because God is in the heart. That's the reason why. Because God has provided happiness there. They're not seeking the happiness of the world. They're seeking God. And when they struggle or when there's mourning, then there's the happiness that God provides. Because they're seeking after the Lord, not seeking after the world. Not chasing the world, so to speak. They're looking for God. So I guess this morning, if holiness is your goal, then you're probably going to find, eventually, the happiness that comes with it. And that should be our goal, to be right with God and to be holy before the Lord. So uh, I'm going to conclude this message. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and we're going to have a word of prayer. But let me ask you that question one more time. Are you happy this morning? You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.